Good morning, everyone. I'm so glad that you have joined us for the beginning of this new series. I want to welcome all of you at our Kernersville location, everybody in Oak Ridge and from wherever you're joining us online. We're going to start this new series by talking about the most famous person that has ever lived, the most famous person you've ever heard of, the most popular person in history, yep, the most written about, talked about, you know, you would guess it, dun, dun, dun. we're going to talk about Jesus. Surprise! Yeah, you're in church, and we're going to talk about Jesus. And here's why I say that this way. Because it's almost like a given, right? Most of the people that you know, because of the part of the world that we live in, and more specifically, the part of the country that we live in, most of the people, if not all of the people that you know are in relationship with and rub shoulders with on a regular basis, know of the name Jesus. Absolutely. I mean, whether or not they believe in Jesus, trust in Jesus, follow Jesus, would consider themselves a Christian or a Jesus follower in any way, yeah, most people know it. Most people also use his name. They invoke his name. Most of the people in your life would claim some kind of affinity to his name. It, it could be that it's a cliche kind of thing for people, right? It's just one of those idioms. It could be that um, it's just a conversation piece. People love to talk about Jesus. Even people who don't believe in Jesus love to talk about people who believe in Jesus. They love to talk about Jesus. Jesus is a hot topic. Unfortunately, all too often, Jesus' name is in just an expletive of people when they're surprised or when they're mad or they're angry or something. It's, I'm, the, I guess the point I'm trying to make up front here is it's just so common. The name of Jesus, topic of Jesus, subject of Jesus, Jesus is so common. I don't even think we realize how, how common his name has become. I think we're unaware how we approach. I think for most people, most people... When we approach Jesus, it's very casual, if you think about it. For most people, we approach Jesus from a place of personal convenience. You come to Jesus when and as needed. When and as needed. Now, here's the really challenging thing here. That is also true, I believe, and it's been my experience, for church-going people, for Christian people, for people who follow Jesus. If we're not careful, we drift into a place in our lives spiritually where our approach to Jesus is extremely casual and convenient. Much more so than we realize, much more so than we might want to admit. That is until um, something bad happens and then we suddenly develop a sense of urgency. Oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus, you know, I need you. And then we get really serious. I mean, think about it. When something great happens in your life and something great happens in people's lives, I mean, it's very common for people to go, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> thank you, Jesus. Got the job. Thank you, Jesus. Got the deal. Thank you, Jesus. Won the lottery. Thank, the, you, know, thank you, Jesus. Whatever. Right? Woo. Thank you, Jesus. Even when you win the big game, right? Win the big game, you know, in the interview after the game. I want to give all glory to God. I'm my Savior, Jesus. You know, and all that kind of stuff. It never fails. It never fails. Now, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. It, it's fine. It's it, it, great, right? It, except I wonder how involved Jesus really is in the outcome of sporting events, right? Oh, no, I prayed, and Jesus gave us the victory. Okay, but what about the mom on the other team praying? Okay, never mind. It just lets you figure that out. 
right? I, I just don't know if, if Jesus is you know, in heaven going, okay, we've got a big game coming up. What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? You know, them, 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 them. I don't think that's an issue. The, you know, when something great happens, we give, you know, give all glory to Jesus real quick, real quick. And then something bad happens. And then we're like, oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus, I need you. Oh, Jesus, I got to have you. Oh, Jesus, you know. For most people, they're content with just checking in with Jesus on Sundays, on the weekends, right? And make sure, yeah, yep, yeah, check in. Don't get me wrong, you know, I, I, I always make sure I'm at church. I'm always, if I'm not there, I watch online. And... Oh, yeah, we make sure we check in and the occasional prayer, especially before meals, you don't want to choke. I guess here, what we need to realize is the convicting truth that for most people, and sadly for too many of us, we approach Jesus like a product. A product that if we can add him in to our lives, he'll fix it. Or if we can add Jesus in, it, it, it just make my life go better. And we just get some Jesus in, the, in, in my job, get some Jesus in my finances, get some Jesus in my health, get some Jesus in my whatever. And, and, and just when we need him, right? It's when and as needed. Because when things are going good, you know, I'm good, it's all good, we're good. I mean, I, I go to church on Sundays, everything's great. And there's no sense of urgency until things start falling apart. And then we want more Jesus. It's like, Jesus is not a product and he doesn't exist just to fix our lives and make our lives better in the moment when we need him to straighten things out. As a pastor, I, I, what I want you to know and what I want us to wrestle with and, and kind of get serious about together is that the reason we're doing this series is I, I want us to all understand our need for Jesus every day. That, that we need Jesus every day. Not, not just in the big game, not just when things are going great and, and not just when things are going bad, not just on a when and as needed. You need Jesus every day. And here's the challenge. Most of you agree with that statement. And so now you're already going to fight the temptation for your mind to go somewhere else because yeah, 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 yeah. I'm good with all that. I'm good with all that. Now, what is it I got to get done this afternoon? We need Jesus every day. I know it sounds like a cliche. It sounds bland. It sounds exactly like what you would expect a pastor in my position to say. It's almost underwhelming because you agree. And after all, you're in church, right? I mean, come on, man. What, what's wrong? What more do you want? Come out here. And depending on how this goes, I might come back. We need Jesus every day. I want you to understand that Jesus is not a one-time prayer that you pray. Jesus, forgive me my sins because just in case I die, I want to go to heaven. Mm. Especially when you consider the alternative. Jesus is so much more than a prayer you pray. Just so that you go to heaven one day when you die. It's so much bigger than that. Jesus is not a reference point in your past Oh, yeah, I did that. Oh, yeah, I prayed that prayer. Oh, yeah, I, I was that. Yeah, yeah, I, I got to that point. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm all good. We're good. We're good. I mean, I'm not perfect. Don't get me wrong, but oh, yeah. It's not just a point of reference in somebody's past. Jesus is meant to be a daily presence in our lives. An ongoing reality. So much more than we know, and that's why we're doing this series. 
Because I want you to understand and I want to be reminded that I need Jesus, you need Jesus every day. And over the next few weeks, that's what we're going to do. We're going to unpack this together by looking specifically at what we call Jesus's I am statements. Several times in Jesus's teachings, he made statements that began with I am and then he fills in the blank. John, one of Jesus's closest followers, paid very close attention to Jesus's teachings and was really smitten by these I am statements and they really stood out to him. And so John is the one that recorded all of the I am statements that we have that Jesus made. It's like that really jumped out to him. And so he, in the book of John, we have all these, there's like six, seven or eight of these I am statements. And we're going to dive into these together because what it's going to help us do is understand two things. Number one, Jesus's heart for us. And number two, our everyday need for him. And so to get things started off in this series, we're going to talk about Jesus' most famous, I think, one of his most famous, most common, most recognizable I am statements. And to get there, I've got to give you some backstory. So one day Jesus is on the other side of the Sea of Galilee than where people usually are, where most of the action takes place. He's on the other side of the Sea of Galilee, this big hillside, and there are thousands of people that have followed Jesus over there to listen to him teach. And so Jesus is teaching. There's thousands of people there. And all of a sudden, it got about lunchtime or dinner time. We're not quite sure. But it was time to eat. And they were hungry. And so Jesus fed all of these people, maybe you've heard of the story, with five loaves of bread and two fish. Five loaves and two fish. Yeah, the feeding of the 5,000, which is interesting. There was 5,000 men accounted for plus their wives and any children. And we know there were some children there because that's where Jesus got the five loaves and the two fish from some kid, right? So he blessed it and he broke it and it's just talking about miracle, right? At least 12,000, maybe close to 15,000 or more people there. He fed with five loaves and two fish and there was food left over. What a miracle. I mean, I don't know about you, but that's one of those things that I hope got recorded. Somebody recorded it somehow and that maybe one day in, you know, heaven and the kingdom one day we can, Jesus, you know, things kind of get settled down, you know, and you're just like, okay, we've been here for like a million years now. So, hey, you guys want to see that? And you queue it up, you know, and we're watching. We're like, cool, this is great. And there was somebody there with a phone the whole time and we didn't even know it. Uh, Who knew? Who knew? The feeding of the 5,000 recorded in all four of the accounts of Jesus's ministry, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So it was a big deal. And if you were there that day, you would have felt just like the people that were there. They'd get freaked out. Can you believe this? This is amazing. I mean, they were so excited. They were like, Jesus, we need to capitalize on this moment and go ahead and make you king right now. I mean, come on, when Christian people get their bellies full, they're feeling good, you're feeling spiritual, you love Jesus even more. I mean, let's do it. Jesus, King, Jesus, King, Jesus, Jesus. You know, the whole thing. And Jesus is like, no, we're not going to do it. That's not what we're doing. Because Jesus was king and it was the right thing, but it was the wrong time. And Jesus knew that wasn't part of the plan right now. And so the scriptures tell us that Jesus slipped away. What did he do? I don't know. He just kind of disappeared. He was just there and then he wasn't. And they're like, where'd Jesus go? Where'd Jesus? Anybody seen Jesus? I don't know. Is that him? No, that's not him. The next day they found Jesus back on the other side of the Sea of Galilee and they come up to Jesus and they're like, Jesus, come on. 
We were looking for you. Where did you go? And we, we just want to hang out some more. And Jesus, because he knows everything, he rightly looked at them and said, no, 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 no. You're hungry again. And you want food. I mean, you, you guys are ready to eat again. And so you're coming to me and you kind of miss the whole point of why I fed you to begin with. And so they say, okay, we're guilty, you know, kind of thing. And we, you at least do another miracle, Jesus. Come on, we're all here. Can you do another miracle? Because that feeding 5,000, I mean, that's going to be written about. People are going to talk about it. And we were there, and it was awesome. Can you show us something else? Kind of like when Moses fed the people of Israel in the wilderness with manna from heaven. Manna, if that's a new word for you. In the Old Testament, in the wilderness for 40 years, God had a bread-like substance come out of heaven onto the ground called manna, and that's what was a main staple of their diet and sustained the Israelites. It was a miraculous way that God provided for them. So this was just a part of their conversation, a part of their culture, manna from heaven. And they're like, could you do something like that? Watch what Jesus said. Here we go. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. So Jesus is doing two things. He's correcting. Just make sure you guys understand where this really came from. It wasn't Moses. Moses didn't do this. That was, that was God, Jehovah. My father did this, and he's also setting them up. Watch this. And now God offers true bread from heaven. You're like, well, what was that stuff? The bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Now, at, at some point, they started getting the idea that Jesus may not be talking about physical food here. He may not be talking about physical bread here, right? We're a little confused, a little confused. And, and, and we know that because of how they responded next. Sir, they said, well, give us that bread every day. Come on, bring it. We're ready. We're ready. So Jesus clarifies it. He said, I am the bread. I am the bread of life. And whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. I don't think he's talking about physical food. I don't think he's talking about real bread. What's he talking about? I don't know. I don't know. So they got an argument. They started debating on what Jesus was talking about. And the, fact, and the fact that he referred to himself as the bread of God from heaven, because not only was that odd, it, for some of them it sounded blasphemous that he would do such a thing. And, and so they were going back and forth, and what does he mean? What is this about? I don't know, I don't know. So Jesus clarifies further. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes, trusts, puts their faith in, in other words, comes to me, has eternal life. Yes, I am. I am the bread of life. And then he goes back to something that they, they brought up. They brought up the manna thing. Watch, Jesus said, you know, your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness. That was the bread of God from heaven in the wilderness? That you ate that, but eventually they all died. In other words, it was just a temporary satisfaction. It was physical bread for physical hunger for their physical bodies. And it really didn't do anything but satisfy their hunger cravings. Eventually, you get hungry, you have to eat again. You get hungry, you have to eat again. You get hungry, you have to eat again until one day you die and you stop eating. That's basically what he was saying. He said, anyone who eats 
the bread from heaven. Hmm. Which, okay, they're beginning to pick up. So, he, so he's not talking, about, not talking about manna anymore. The bread from heaven, which he said, I am the bread from heaven. Whoever partakes of me. Obviously, he's not talking about really eating anymore either. He's talking about something else. Whoever gets what I have to offer him will never die. I mean, so he's, he's, he's laying out truth that maybe it wasn't until after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection that they reflected on and began to put it together. And then Jesus says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. And anyone who eats this bread, even though he's not talking about literally eating bread, whoever takes what I have to offer him will live forever. And this bread, which I offer the world so that the world may live, is my flesh. Now we know, looking back, what Jesus is referring to is the day when he would soon give himself his flesh and bone and blood and body on a cross for the sins of the world. Now they didn't know that. And again, looking back, it's clear. But the point Jesus was trying to make is that you need what I have. You want physical bread? He went with that analogy. He said, hey, I am that bread. In fact, when Jesus said, I am the bread of life, he was communicating something that said, I am essential to you. Not only essential, there is an eternal element to this that you need from me. And some of it refers back to the manna in the wilderness. And you can even say some of it kind of hints at communion when we take of the bread and, and it's Jesus, it refers to Jesus' body that he sacrificed on the cross for us. I mean, there's so much here. The statement, I am the bread of life, you're talking about a meaty statement. We started talking about it as a staff, you know, there's a lot of puns here too. We had some fun with it. And instead of just peppering them out throughout the thing, I figured I would just kind of put them all together. And, you know, just because some of you look like you need to laugh right now. It's a little deeper, right? Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. They had no idea that one day he would rise again. <laughs> he just wanted people to stop loafing around and understand that what he was saying was a no-grainer. If you really understand how much you need Jesus... I mean, any way you slice it, this is the truth. You see there? Isn't that good? Some of you are right now, you want to laugh, but you're going, I'm gluten-free. <laughs> so I don't know, man. What? Does Jesus love me? <laughs> I'm gluten-free. <laughs> some of you are gluten-free by health, and some of you are gluten-free because it's cool. Let me tell you something. If you're gluten-free because it's cool, stop it. Because it ain't cool. <laughs> All right? If you're doing it for survival, that's another thing. But gluten is good. Right, gluten is good. <laughs> it reminds me of that. This has nothing to do with anything. It reminds me of that comedian. He passed away. John Panay. Years ago, he talked about gluten. He had this whole bit on gluten, and he was like, you know, well, what is gluten? And the doctor told me that I needed to avoid gluten. He was like, okay, well, wait, what is gluten? He said, I'll tell you what gluten is. Gluten is every reason to get up in the morning. <laughs> and I was like, yes, that's right. Okay, anyway, all right, back. We're back, we're back, we're back. Here's what Jesus is saying. When Jesus said, I am the bread of life, he is saying, come to me, come to me. I have something you need 
that you cannot get from anything else or anyone else. You won't find it in culture. You won't find it from other people. You won't get it from physical bread. And this is good for us to remember. And you won't even get it and find it within yourself. Because in our world, what are we often told? You know, everything you need is inside. Just, just look inside, you'll find the answers. Just be true to yourself and find your truth. And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. You, you come to me. I got what you need. And when you come to me, you will find something you won't get anywhere else. Now, before I unpack this in a way that I think we can all kind of pack it up and take it home with us and really understand it, I want to take it just a little bit further. I want to take just a couple of more minutes and tease this out from a theological standpoint because there's so much here he's saying. When he says, I am the bread of life, when he says, I am the bread of life, he's saying, I am the bread of life that saves us, that brings salvation. He says, when you come to me, you will never hunger again. And he's not talking about physical hunger. He's talking spiritually. And he says, when you believe in me, the bread of life, you will live forever. You will have eternal life. This is so much more though than just praying that prayer and make sure I go to heaven one day when I die kind of thing. This is so much bigger than that. It is so much bigger than a point of reference in your past and say, yeah, I remember. I, yeah, I'm a, this is not just about for when you die one day, this is about today for this life. In other words, you and I need to know that we need a savior every day. I don't care how long you call yourself a Christian, how many times you've been to church, you never ever outgrow your need for a savior. You need saving every single day. He saves us. He is the bread of life. He sustains us. There, there is this ongoing daily dependency that Jesus wanted us to discover that is found in him to feed our spirits, to feed our lives. So as we learn to depend on him, we discover that we become more and more like him, more and more who he created us to be, more and more fulfilling how God designed us to live, following his example. A daily dependence. In fact, this, this entire series will help us tease that out a little bit more. What that ongoing daily dependence is about as we learn to be sustained every day by Jesus. Not just on Sundays. Not just on the good days. Not just on the hard days. But every day. He saves us. He sustains us. And he satisfies us. Your greatest needs. Your deepest longings. Will found will we'll find their satisfaction in Jesus. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. I am what you need. Maybe another way to understand this is that Jesus is as essential to your life as food is for your body. And when Jesus said, I am the bread of life, he takes this idea, this thing, this this thing that all of us know about, and that's bread. And he was like, I am just as important to you. And you need me just as much as your body needs bread. Not just for heaven one day when we die, but for today and every day. Now, we know that bread is important. We know bread is essential. We know it in this day. I mean, we would really have known it had we been living in the first century. In the first century, their bread was, was the foundational staple of their diet. And you kind of see that 
when even today you're in third, third world country environments. I mean, bread is it. But we get it too. We get it too. We understand how important bread is. I mean, after all, you go to most restaurants, they give it to you complimentary. They want you to be complimented by the fact that they're giving you bread free. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And we get it too. What's the first thing to go off the shelves? If a snowflake appears on the forecast screen, what's the first thing to go? Bread and then milk because, I don't know, it makes no sense. But anyway, bread. We, I get the, at least get the bread part of it, right? Or a disaster, hurricane, tropical storm. Hey, remember the pandemic? Remember the beginning of the pandemic? You remember that? What was one of the first things to go after toilet paper? <laughs> toilet paper was the first, okay? We get that because one of you mugs bought it all. And, 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 and some of you are going, <laughs> fool me once. That'll never happen to us again. And sometime in the last few months, some of you have stockpiled so much toilet paper in your basement because you're just waiting for the next run. You're like, I'm good. Get it? The next run? Anyway. Sorry about that one. After toilet paper, do you remember, do you remember what it was like, those of you that put your hazmat suits on and, and went to the grocery store? Do you remember what it was like to walk down the bread aisle and it not be hey, people are really buying a lot of bread, but for it to be barren. You remember that feeling? Did you feel a little panicky? I, I did. I mean, did you feel like, this ain't good. What are we going to do? Because we know, we know that even to us, bread is pretty dang essential. Now, now here's why I, I, I go there with you. I'm going somewhere just... Just track with me. What Jesus is trying to get us to understand is that that feeling, that sense, that reality of that need for physical bread is mirrored and even magnified in the reality that we need him like that. We need him that real. We need him. And what we need from him, you can't just get going to church. I'm so glad you're here. Hope you come back. But you can't get that from church, especially not just once a week. I ain't that good. We're not that great. This experience, while it's meaningful and precious and rich and deep and, and so healthy for us spiritually, is not enough to get. And just can you imagine eating one time a week and going, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good? You wouldn't make it. And that's what Jesus is wanting us to walk away with. He said, I am the bread of life. You came to me looking for physical bread. I got something for you. And what I have for you, you really need. And when you partake of what I offer you in life, it'll satisfy you not just now, but for eternally. And you need it. You need me. That's essential to your life, both now and forever. That's food is for your body. And here's where this is a challenge for us. You may agree with this. You may go, yep, makes sense. But it's really hard to internalize that when life is going well, when life is going good. And for some of you, maybe a lot of you, and perhaps maybe even most of you, your life's going pretty good right now. No, it's not perfect. Now everybody's got problems. We all got problems. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the fact that you look at your life and go, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing because we're in a good place right now. I mean, called the bills are paid and everybody's healthy. The cars are running. Job is good. Husband's good. Wife is good. Kids are good. Dog is good. Cats are never good, but we're all good. 
okay? And so I'm just going to, and, and, and we're going to church, checking in with Jesus once a week. This is great. This is great. And we're just going to keep doing what we're doing. And see, when you're in a good place, and it's great to be in a good place. There's nothing wrong to be in a good place. But when you're in a good place, it's very easy for us to drift into self-sufficiency and think, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. Copy, paste, copy, paste, week in, week out. Well, that all works great until the lab results come back and it's cancer. Or when the kids come in the room and say, I got to tell you something, and you might want to sit down for this. Or when he or she says, I want a divorce. Or when the job, when the, you know, when the job is not, and the boss says, we're going to have to let you go. You see, when your world starts unraveling, yeah, then it's clear. My challenge to you is don't wait until the world starts falling apart. Don't wait until it's obvious. Oh, Jesus, I need you. I got to have you. Understand, you need Jesus like that every day, especially on the good days, not just on the bad days. It's as essential to your life as food is for your body. Jesus said, I am that for you. So try this, try this. Most of us, most of us, because we're, you know, well, at least today, you're church-going folk, right? Most of us would at least be somewhat inclined to the pattern of praying before our meals. The saying of grace, returning of thanks, however you, you say it. And, and I know sometimes we get busy and, and it's just like we forget. I mean, sometimes I forget. Sometimes Donna will say, we should probably thank the Lord for what you just ate. And it's like, okay, great. So it's not like, it's not supposed to be this like, don't take a bite, don't take a bite. It's not one of those things. And we do this for, for two reasons. Number one, I guess we do it to say, you know, Lord bless this food. And the reason we do that is because Jesus, you know, like the feeding of 5,000, he took the bread and he, and he blessed it. The reason he blessed it because he was going to feed 15,000 people. If you have to feed 15,000 people with five loaves and two fish, you need a blessing too. But most of it, you know, it's not, it's not really a blessing. You know, Lord bless this food. He probably is going, I can't bless that. That's not even food. It's just a chemical packaged up in a, <laughs> I remember eating uh, at a lunch appointment one time with a guy that um, we were eating at a place that wasn't offering a healthy option. And, and so we sat down to eat and he said, I'll pray. And it's great. It gives me a break. Everybody sex me too. And then they say this, they say, Oh Lord Jesus, please do the best you can with this. Amen. And I'm like, that's it. That's the most honest, real prayer over food I have heard in a long time. Okay. Lord, do the best you can. I'm like that makes sense. Here we go. So we ask God to bless the food, get it. But here's the deal. The primary reason we're praying is we're thanking God for providing for us physical food, right? Father, thank you for this. And that's a good thing. Oh, it's a healthy thing. We need to do that. Pause before we tear right into it and, and, and give thanks for the physical bread. You know what I mean, the food. But here's, here's, a, here's a thought. The next time you do that, don't just thank God for the food. Take a moment. And God, just like 
My body needs what I'm about to eat that I'm so grateful for. Father, I acknowledge my need for you. I need you today. When Jesus said, I am the bread of life, what he wants us to take away is this sense that every day, Jesus, I need you. Like my body needs this food, I need you today to strengthen me, to help me. I'm depending on you today to walk with me, to help me, to guide me. I cannot do this on my own. I will not allow myself to drift into self-sufficiency just because everything seems to be going okay right now. And maybe some days it's more obvious than others because things are not going okay. Either way, if we were to get into a daily and even several times throughout the day rhythm of redeclaring our need for Jesus every day. And in this series over the next few weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to unpack that a little bit more as we discover more and more about who Jesus is for us and our need for him on an everyday basis and what we can put into our lives to remind us that he is not just a Sunday Jesus. He's not just a bad day Jesus. And he's not just a good day Jesus. Thanks for helping me win the game Jesus. He is an every day all the time. You and I need him. Jesus. Father, thank you. Thank you for this reminder There are those here, some of my brothers and sisters, who need to express their need for you, first of all, as Savior. They're just now getting to a point in their life where they're ready to begin trusting you and following you. May they express that to you now and know that you are ready, not only to forgive them, but to journey with them. And Lord, there are many other brothers and sisters that have been journeying with you for a long time and have drifted in self-sufficiency and, oh yeah, oh they, they're following you, but they've kind of allowed you to become kind of a product when and as needed, as we all have a tendency to do when we're not careful. And it's kind of casual, convenience. Lord, Lord, may we know our dependency on you is daily and it is deep. It's not dependent upon whether days are going good or whether the world's falling apart around us. We need you. And when you said that you were the bread of life, you were talking about us and our need for what you and only you can offer us, not just on Sundays and not just on bad days, but every single day and every moment of every day. So Father, help us continue to come to you. And just as essential as the food we eat is for our body, you are for our lives, both now and forever. In Jesus' name, amen.